Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Okay, my love, I have put everything that I offer for free on one page so that we are not doing more work than we have to because why would we do that? Hashtag work smarter, not harder. So livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. You are going to find everything I've created for not only leveling up in your personal life and building a life that you love, but leveling up in your business life and building a business that you love. Okay livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. Love you. Hello, hello, my sweet. And probably a little spicy cinnamon rolls. Like, ah, uh, you guys know if the, well, if this is your first time tuning in, you don't know yet, but welcome. Your life is about to be changed in a good way. Hopefully that's the intention. And if you are coming back to, first of all, thank you. That is the greatest, um, gift, compliment, vibe. I don't know. It's the, it's just the greatest. If you have listened to more than one episode, like, thank you. I hope it continues to be useful. Again, that is the intention. So I guess no hope needed. I craft these specifically with the intention to be useful. So sweet and spicy cinnamon rolls. If you guys have heard me talk at all, you know that I am nice. I'm, well, I'm not really nice. I'm kind. And sometimes a little bit spicy because who doesn't need a good, you know, ass kicking once in a while, like love you. Hi, if me happy to provide that for you, like an ass slap and sometimes an ass kicking. It just depends which version you're getting, but you get every version. This went off on a wild tangent. Um, hi, my sweet darlings. And I hope you are well. I hope you are thriving. And if you're not, then I hope that this podcast helps you get closer to there. Um, I wanted to talk today, which is why I'm talking today, about what it looks like to be in trauma, like in your trauma. So there is a huge difference between someone who has like active PTSD or CPTSD. Um, CPTSD, for those that don't know, is complex PTSD, meaning the trauma lasted over a long period of time, or there were multiple traumatic events. Now, it's not an official diagnosis, but it is an incredibly useful way to think about trauma. Now, trauma can be broadly defined as anything that overwhelms your ability to cope. Now, obviously, genocide and a car accident are very, very different levels, but to your nervous system, anything that overwhelms your ability to cope and leaves you feeling helpless, paralyzed, hopeless, where there's like nothing you can do, right? Or you don't feel like there's anything you can do leads to feeling traumatized or can lead to feeling traumatized, which is one of the reasons that you'll see um, two people will go through the same experience. One will come out with trauma behaviors and one will have um, like integrated it into their system to where it doesn't bother them. So since I specialize in trauma and work a lot with trauma, which if you're a therapist at all, like you are dealing with trauma, 
Um, I wanted to talk about a lot of the things that I see and kind of explain those. But first, I'll start with how the mind um, interprets data about a traumatic event. So imagine that you are a bunny and you're like chilling in a field eating your little grass because you're a cute, sweet little bunny. And a wolf comes by. And your little bunny brain is like, oh, fuck, that's a wolf. Better get away from it. Well, because your mind is interested in survival, because especially as humans, your subconscious is interested in your survival, your subconscious's only job is to help you survive and potentially thrive, but survival first, thrive second. Your mind, understand when I say mind, I'm meaning subconscious as well. Your processor, essentially. Your mind takes the data about wolf and blows it up because it behooves you to remember that wolf is a danger. Now, when bunny is running from wolf, you're not thinking about carrots. You're thinking about wolf. Get away from the danger. What happens when people get stuck in their trauma is that data gets stuck. Your processor works just fine. Your mind works just fine. The data got stuck. The data got blown up about whatever traumatic event it was. Your parents screaming at you, your partner, you know, hitting you or screaming at you or your parents threatening to leave or your partner threatening to leave or a semi when you almost had an accident. Whatever wolf is for you, the data gets blown up because it benefits you to remember that forever because wolf always danger. But if the data is not processed correctly, you will continue to react to it and anything similar. This is what a trigger is. Mind reads anything similar as the same, and it goes into protection mode via fight or flight or fawn or freeze. Now, those can have a lot of components, but understand what I'm saying is that the data about a traumatic event got stuck. And now, and in order to protect you, in order to help you survive, your mind reads anything similar to that data as the same. And because it's stuck and your subconscious does not understand time, it does not operate in time, which is why it can feel like the event is about to happen. It just happened or it is currently happening. And if you've ever been triggered, you know this to be true. You have a somatic reaction. When people are triggered, they have a somatic reaction. That's why you'll hear people say, it feels like I'm there. It feels like it's happening again. Now, logically, you know that similar is not the same. But what you logically know and what your subconscious knows are not the same thing. And because your subconscious does not exist in time, your body thinks you're there right now because your mind is always reacting to subconscious first. This is why you will also hear people say, I know this is stupid. I know it's not the same. I know it makes no sense. They know it consciously. Their subconscious has not gotten that piece of data. Now, this is where therapy is extremely helpful with a trauma-trained therapist who can work through your subconscious and your nervous system. If they don't know how to do that, you are going to be spinning your wheels. This is where a modality like rapid resolution therapy is extremely helpful, um, but you want someone who knows what they're doing because 
the danger is that they make it worse. And we certainly don't want things to be worse. We want things to be better. So, okay, you may be like, wow, Amanda, that makes total sense. And it's like, good, that's the point of this podcast. And okay, so how do we know someone is, I call it trauma drama land. So how, one of my therapists came up with that and I thought it was very clever. So understand when I say that I'm not making fun of you. This is just, if we can't make fun of things, I mean, God, what's the point? So how do you know if you're in trauma drama land? Well, for one, you are not regulated. Your nervous system is not regulated. Now understand your nervous system is reacting to your subconscious and your subconscious's job is to help you survive and maybe thrive. But if you're in trauma drama land, there is no thriving. There is only surviving. Now, what happens when you're in trauma drama land is that your subconscious interprets many things as a threat that are not actually a threat. So an argument with a friend, setting boundaries, um, a facial expression, someone's tone, firecrackers. Um, you'll often hear that one with like veterans, right? Like many people know that veterans will have a strong trigger to fireworks because they sound like gunshots. Now, logically, a veteran who has um, been in combat understands that like a firework is not a gunshot, but they're not thinking logically. Their subconscious took over because what's the subconscious's job? To help you survive in order to someday thrive. Beautiful. Yes, we have this. So you are overreactive. You'll hear people say, oh God, I go zero to 60, zero to a hundred in the drop of a hat. That's because they're overreactive in a logical sense, but in a subconscious sense, they're like, oh no, we better be at a hundred because our life is in danger. So when people are in their trauma, when they have not healed yet, when that data is still stuck, again, there's nothing wrong with your mind. There's nothing wrong with your processor. The data got stuck. So when that data is still stuck, people are overreactive. They're in fight or flight almost constantly. Now this creates a whole host of other problems. Your adrenals get shot. It's pretty hard to to do anything consistently because you're always in reaction mode instead of either respond. You're always on the defense, right? Instead of the offense or responding intentionally. There's not a lot of intention when you're in this space because you're always running from the nearest bear, not even the biggest bear, the nearest bear. So being in constant fight or flight, having a dysregulated nervous system I mean, logically, it kind of puts you in danger because you're not in control. Your subconscious, which is interested in your survival, is running the show. So being in constant fight or flight means that it becomes very hard to make long-term decisions because your sub your processor is only interested in making short-term survival decisions. And very often, survival decisions and long-term happiness decisions are completely at odds. So you'll see this in like people who choose to stay in abusive relationships instead of leave and do the work to be in a, in a healthy relationship. Obviously, an abusive relationship is not safe, but because they're always running from the nearest bear, the nearest bear is keep this person happy, stay, don't rock the boat, where the happiness goal is to be actually happy and safe, but the nervous system doesn't have the ability, like your subconscious doesn't have the ability to make the long-term decisions when it's interested in short-term survival. The problem is when you're in trauma drama land, you're, you are basically only interested in short-term survival. 
because you don't have the ability and the capacity to make long-term helpful decisions. So you make the shortest term helpful decision, which often looks like people getting stuck in spaces that they don't really want to be in, but feel like they can't get out of. This is where a professional becomes very, very helpful. So being in constant fight or flight means you have a dysregulated nervous system. Understand those are similar when I talk about them. That also means you are overreactive. You're meeting something that's a two with a 10 because it's tripping a landmine. If, let me give an example of this. So when I was with a partner previously after my ex-husband, who was um, quite cruel and we would have a lot of fights about kids. He was a stepdad and was very cruel about um, me being in the kid's life. And soon after that relationship, I was in another relationship and we, we talked about children and I started sobbing. Like logically it made no sense, right? Like my, my new partner at the time was not a danger. He was a kind man. Um, and I was just sobbing about a conversation about children. He was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is so confusing. And I explained to him like, oh, this tripped a landmine for me. That was a wound that he unintentionally tripped wasn't about him at all, but my mind read similar conversation about children as the same, I'm in danger. So that is, that's what happens when you're in trauma drama land is you're just reacting to all these landmines. All these landmines are getting tripped and you're reacting in a 10 when really the situation is a one or two or three or six or seven. Point is it's not a 10. So you're overreacting to these things. And then people often get into this like cycle of guilt and shame and blame. Oh God, I, I don't know why I do that. I'm so stupid. You know, I'm crazy. Da, da, da. Like you're not. The data got stuck in your processor and we just want to clear the data. So being in constant fight or flight, having a dysregulated nervous system, being overreactive, all those things are combined. People also get into avoidance mode 24-7 because what is the subconscious interested in? Survival? Maybe survive so you can maybe thrive. That means you are running from anything that creates pressure, anything that feels like a threat, anything that feels like it will be dangerous. And the definition of dangerous to your subconscious can be extremely broad. Dangerous can be an argument. It can be feeling your emotions. It can be change, right? I work with a ton of people who say, oh my God, I'm terrified of change. I'm horrified of change. Why? Because the same feels comfortable, feels safe. Even if change will make them happy, they have an adverse reaction to it. They don't want it because change feels dangerous. So the definition of danger can be extremely broad. Because you're in trauma drama land, and your drama brain, your trauma brain is running the show. You will avoid anything that makes you uncomfortable. The joke is by doing that, you guarantee that as long as you're doing that, you're unfucking comfortable because you're not running towards safety, real, actual, long-term sustainable safety. You're not running towards happiness. You're not running towards thriving. You're running away from pressure, away from whatever your mind has decided is a threat. You know people like this. You may have at some point been like this. You may be like this right now, where you're avoiding anything that's actually helpful, having the conversation, leaving the job, leaving the partner, restructuring things, building a routine, 
going to therapy, finding a coach, buying a course, whatever, you're avoiding doing that because you're too busy running from metaphorical bears 24 fucking seven, which means your nervous system is dysregulated. You're in chronic fight or flight. Your trauma brain is running the show. Like your adrenals are whacked out. You're always exhausted. You probably have anxiety like fuck. We'll get into that one too. Because trauma brain puts you in avoidance 24-7, which means you can't work towards anything because you're busy running away from things. Understand I say this next one with love. It makes you a dramatic, dysregulated little gremlin. Why do I say little gremlin? Well, I call drama brain gremlin brain because its goal is to be helpful. It's trying to help you survive, but it's reacting to threats that aren't there. Like if you've ever imagined someone is in a house and they're reacting to ghosts, but there is no ghost, right? And they're carrying around an ax and they're putting all these holes in the wall and they're probably attacking you like that. A person who's doing that, who's reacting to imaginary ghosts, who thinks they're in danger 24 seven is a very dramatic, dysregulated person. Dramatic as in you're overreacting, you're creating chaos when there isn't any because chaos feels comfortable. Chaos feels safe. You're making damn sure that relationships are not sustainable. Like those are things that happen when your trauma brain is running the show. You're going to hurt me eventually. So I'm going to make sure that I hurt you first. This won't, I don't believe this will work out because I don't believe anything will work out for me. So I'm going to ruin it myself. Think about the term self-sabotage. Now I did a whole podcast episode on this. Self-sabotage is the result of self-protection. I think I'm going to get hurt in the future, so I'm going to ruin it now because I can control how that happens. And what does your little gremlin brain think is safe? Control. Because I can control the pain. I'm going to intentionally ruin what I say I want most in order to protect myself from future pain that I decided was going to happen. Self-sabotage is the result of self-protection. And that makes you dramatic and dysregulated. It is not helpful. So you're on avoidance mode 24-7. You're in fight or flight. You're overreactive. You're dysregulated when trauma brain is running the show. You're, which means your central nervous system is whacked the fuck out. Like if there, if your baseline doesn't exist, if you're super up and super down, then there is no baseline. There's no point where your body can rest. There's no point where your mind can rest. That's a huge problem. So you'll see people who have long-term trauma that has not been healed, not even going to say treated, healed, because you can heal it, who have chronic health conditions, who have autoimmune disorders. Now, understand I'm not saying the core link of, you know, the core cause of autoimmune disorders is trauma, but it does fuck up your system. Who have diabetes, who die from heart attacks early, like, Chronic stress wax out your nervous system, which means there is no baseline. Very often I'll see people who come in for therapy and they say, I'm bipolar. And I'm like, you're fucking not. You have trauma, which makes you dysregulated. You don't have bipolar. You don't have anxiety. You don't have depression. Those are trauma symptoms manifesting as bipolar, depression, anxiety, but the root is trauma. Once we heal the trauma, all of those go away because that's not the actual problem because your nervous system cannot regulate, cannot return to baseline. You're up and down everywhere, all over the place, or you've been up and down everywhere, all over the place. When you're in trauma brain, everything is perceived as a threat. 
when trauma brain is running the show, there is no neutral. There is only currently probably fine and definitely not fine in danger. So something that I started to notice when I work with people who have a history of abuse, either from their partner or their parents or someone in their life, is that when people have a history of abuse, they read neutral facial expressions, someone with just no expression, as dangerous. Why? Well, think about it. When you have someone in close proximity to you who is abusive, who will go zero to 100 in the drop of a hat, who will turn on you in the drop of a hat, neutral is not safe because neutral is too close to angry and angry means danger. So if someone is not obviously happy, they are obviously in danger, a danger. So people who have a history of abuse have to relearn how to read neutral facial expressions with someone who's safe, obviously. That's the caveat there. So that was something I started to notice. And I thought, aha, oh, people who have a history of abuse struggle or like literally don't believe that a neutral facial expression is safe. So what do they do? They try and make their partner happy at all costs. That's a fawn response. People pleasing is fawning. If my partner's happy, if I make them happy, I'm safe. So that is a direct result of trauma drama land. Oh, I cannot tell you how many people come to me and say they have anxiety and they do. They do, right? Like they have, they fit the criteria for anxiety, but what they actually have is trauma. Now think about the criteria for anxiety. You are, people who have anxiety are constantly thinking. They're constantly worrying. Their nervous system is on edge all the time. They're hypervigilant. They're always going to worst case scenario. They can't calm down. Okay. Now think about hallmarks of trauma. They're constantly problem solving. They're constantly worrying. Their nervous system can't come down. They have panic attacks. There's no room to feel emotions. So they get shoved down, which then causes panic attacks because humans are pressure cookers. So anxiety, when taken out of a danger, those behaviors, when taken out of a dangerous situation, become anxiety. They're very beneficial if your life is in danger. If someone is a threat to you or something is a threat to you, it absolutely benefits you to always be thinking of a way out, to go to worst case scenario, to always be bracing for a fight, to be on the defense 24-7, to not share your emotions because that's not fucking safe. But when you take it out of the context of someone who's a literal threat to you, parent, partner, whatever, then people are like, oh God, I have anxiety. The only reason for that is because it worked in that environment. It kept you safe. It kept you alive. So your subconscious went, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this everywhere. This makes perfect sense. It kept me alive. Obviously, it's useful. I'm going to do it in every scenario. The brain generalized. It's what brains do. But it generalized to a, a new environment that where it's not helpful, okay? Like if I grew up in, I don't know, what's a good example? Now I have to think of one off the top of my head and I can't think of one. <laughs> if I were in an abusive relationship where like my partner um, was physically violent, it would very much benefit me to do whatever it took to keep them happy because if they're happy, I'm not getting beat. And it would be very beneficial to always be 
worried about their mood, to be worried about what's going to happen when they come home, to have a plan for that. Not only to have a plan for that worst case scenario, but every other scenario I can think of because that's going to keep me safe. So the subconscious is like, well, that's stupid valuable. I'm going to fucking do it everywhere. I'm going to be bracing all the time. I'm going to hold my breath all the time. It makes perfect sense that the brain did that. It did it to keep you safe. It was very useful in that context. But when you're no longer in that context and the behaviors stay, you get anxiety. And then your system burns out. And then you look like you're depressed because you're in bed for three days. Yeah, no wonder your system is exhausted. Ah, here's one that happens that people struggle to, not that they struggle to see, but people don't understand how common this is perhaps. So this is why I included it. Re-traumatizing yourself because the hurt and pain are familiar and because you don't know better, right? If you don't know a different way to do things, you're going to do it that way. So for example, if you, let's pretend you don't know what a backhoe is. And if you don't know what a backhoe is, it's that big digger thing that you see in um, like construction So like it has a bucket and you dig things, right? But let's say you have only ever seen a shovel in your life. I hope you know what a shovel is. If you don't, Google it. (laughs) We have Google. You can also Google a backhoe. Anyway, if all you ever seen was a shovel and you have no idea what a backhoe is, and I tell you, hey, dig a 30 foot by 30 foot hole. Even if I park a backhoe right next to a shovel, If you've never seen a backhoe before, what are you going to use? The shovel, right? Because you don't know any different. So you're going to use the shovel and you're going to work about a thousand times harder. I don't know if you guys have ever dug a hole, but like, fuck, man. That is hard work. Like, bless the people who do that for a living because I am not the girl who could do that. I mean, I could, but like, do I want to? No, absolutely not. So if you've never seen a backhoe before, you're going to use a shovel. If all you know is chaos and pain and drama, guess what you're going to do? If you grow up in a house that speaks Spanish, you're going to speak Spanish as an adult. So if you grow up in a house that speaks pain and cruelty and shame and manipulation, guess what you're going to do as an adult? If all you know relationships to be is pain and suffering and super highs and super lows, guess what you're going to do as an adult? So people will re-traumatize themselves because it's all they know and because they don't know better. Now, as an adult, what happened to you, well, first of all, what happened to you is never your um, fault, is never your fault. I don't care what you do. It's never your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal. So people will re-traumatize themselves because that's all they know. They'll get in relationship after relationship after relationship of drama, abuse, cruelty, manipulation, whatever, because they don't know any different. And people can't do differently if they don't know differently, which is, hello, the point of this podcast. People will ruin anything that may potentially work out for them because they're terrified of being happy, because they're terrified of success, because success feels scary. At least I know this is the devil I know. This is the devil I've known my whole life. That's a new devil. Fuck that. I don't know that devil. This one is predictable. And predictability gets read as safety to the subconscious. And because that data about unpredictability got blown up, trauma brain will avoid Anything that feels scary. 
even if it means staying in situations that are actually life-threatening, actually detrimental, because at least it's the devil you know. Completely unhelpful, right? When we look at it in a long-term lens. But now that you know that trauma brain prioritizes survive so it can maybe thrive, but getting out of survival mode, getting out of trauma brain, out of trauma drama land, often takes a professional. Can you do it on your own? Probably, but you're still going to need help. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is that help. So it will dance with the devil it knows, even if that devil is dangerous, instead of taking on a new devil, even if that devil is safe and happy and prosperous and abundant, whatever, because it'll stick with what it knows. Predictability equals safety, even if there's no actual safety there. Another thing that happens is when people are in trauma brain, when trauma brain is running the show, they'll constantly question themselves. Is this right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even allow my clients to say, I don't know, because it's fucking annoying. And you do know, you know, you always know, but trauma going through trauma feels like it strips you of your power. Going through an overwhelming experience that you don't have the capacity to cope with or didn't have the capacity to cope with, which I would even, you know what, that doesn't even make any sense because you survived. So you obviously had the capacity to cope, but the data got stuck in your processor. That data being stuck gets in the way of trusting yourself, gets in the way of believing that you have all the answers and you do. People always know. You always know the answer to any question that you want. Can you access that answer? Maybe not right now. With some help? Yes, 100% absolutely. So I don't even allow my clients to say, I don't know, because they always know. We just need the right questions and your nervous system has to be in a space where you can access the information, which means healing must occur for that to happen. We have to move the data that got stuck in your processor. Again, your processor, your mind works completely fine. The data got stuck. That is the problem. It will lead to people disassociating, which really just means disconnecting from your body. So if you know someone who like will come home and get on TikTok or scroll Instagram for six hours and then go to bed, that's disassociating. Okay. That's a problem. Someone who like normals, like every human zones out, right? That part is normal. Let's not like become neurotic about things that are completely normal. Disassociating is a whole other ass level where you're not even present at all. Like you cannot feel your body. Do not feel emotions, cannot identify them. Like the amount of times I give people a list of emotions because they cannot identify them is way more than I thought it would be. But it's very common because they've been disconnected from their body for so long that they can't even identify emotions. So I give them a list. Thank goodness for the people who make lists and put them on the internet. When you're disconnected from your body, your subconscious thinks your head was cut off. Imagine how stressful that is for your head. So then people live up in their heads all day, right? What's the hallmark of anxiety? You're in your head all day. You're not in your body. You are disassociating. People will literally have out-of-body experiences. They won't remember months at a time or weeks or days at a time. They will just, it's checking out so hard that like literally you feel nothing. I had a client who literally could not feel physical pain. 
um, for years, like years, could not feel physical pain. He was that disassociated and disconnected from his body. That puts you in survival mode. It puts you where you think everything is a threat because your head's been cut off. And your subconscious is like, where the hell is my body? Something is wrong. Something is very wrong if my body is not connected. So that is another thing that happens. Now, are these the only things that happen? No. Is Are these the things that I happen to write down? Yes. Some of the other things that happen is that people who are in constant trauma mode don't believe they're worthy of things like pleasure, happiness, safety, commitment, loyalty, joy, like, because you don't have time for that when you're running from a bear. People in trauma drama land will often not have any hobbies because you're too busy running from a bear, obviously. Um, They'll be exhausted all the time. That's definitely one of the hallmarks is like, because you're running from a bear 24-7, you're pretty fucking tired. They'll have trouble sleeping. And you can also look up like the criteria for, for PTSD. This is a lot of it as well. They'll have trouble sleeping, either falling asleep or staying asleep, um, or they won't sleep well at all. Because imagine if you're being stalked by a bear, you're not laying down to rest. And if your mind is running all day, and the first time that there's any kind of stillness is when your head hits the pillow, guess what your mind's going to do? It's going to start filing all those things that need to be filed that there's been no still time during the day to do. People will have nightmares. They'll experience panic attacks. They'll, um, anxiety attacks, same thing. They'll do things like that. So like all of those things are hallmark of trauma. Now, if you're resonating with these, one, I love that you have the insight to even acknowledge or like be aware that these things are happening for you. That in itself is incredible. Um, I would very, very much encourage you to find a trauma trained therapist, um, doesn't have to be me, but like find someone who is trauma trained. I have an episode a while ago also about how to find a good therapist. So I would go listen to that. Um, Podcasts can be helpful, but it's very helpful to have a professional untangle the spaghetti. There are trauma coaches out there. I don't know that I would super trust them. I'm sure there are some that are very good. Um, Coaching is not regulated in the way that like therapy is regulated, but that doesn't mean that there aren't amazing, wonderful coaches. I would check out rapid resolution therapy. That is a very quick way to clear this data to where it becomes neutralized. Um, That is wonderful. There are books on the subject. Like there, the point is there's ways to get help if you want to get help. So if you are like, wow, bitch, (laughs) I resonate with some of these, then it doesn't have to be like this forever. Like you can absolutely heal trauma to the point where it goes away. Those things become things that happen to you. They're not things that you're reacting to in the moment. Um, It is 100% entirely possible. If anyone tells you differently, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Go find someone who does. You can heal trauma to the point where you are neutral. It is 100% possible. That's what I got. So have a beautiful day. If that activated you, if that opened the can of worms for you, I would perhaps journal about it. Like just write down your thoughts after this episode can be very helpful in clarifying some things. And if you're like, like, I really think I should talk to someone, do it. It will change your life in the best ways, right? Don't continue dancing with the devil, you know, when you can actually be happy and not have to dance with the devil at all. 
It's not required. 